You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile is heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 22, November 10th, 2016. Today, we're talking with Tom Friend, who's an executive consultant with Afterburner, a consulting firm of former fighter pilots, which focuses on coaching businesses at the team and leadership level, as well as conducting workshops and seminars on organizational improvement and excellence. So welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So you are, you are both a pilot in the Navy and the Air Force. So tell us about one of the hairiest experiences you ever had and how that helped you with your current mindset of agility. Wow, man, that is a, uh, that is a loaded question. Is, you know, reaching back into to my mind, uh, you know, landing on the back of the ship at night in the North Atlantic uh, above the Arctic uh, circle or uh, almost running out of fuel in the Indian Ocean when the, the ship decided to turn and go the other way uh, when you're on a mission or they're awful different things. And then there's engine failures, uh, hydraulic malfunctions, lightning strikes, hail, icing. You know, there's there's a bunch of stuff. But uh, I suppose the uh, the hairiest experiences really were when I was on the ground in the Sunni Triangle uh, at the height of the insurgency. And it was uh, it, around agility. It was the ability to be nimble and inspect and adapt, which was really the lifeblood to survival. It was centralized planning, but uh, decentralized uh, execution. You know, basically, we were um, creating an environment where self-organizing teams could achieve a desired outcome. And all that you did was foreshape that and get out of the way. Now, we used, uh, let me think, we used a Kanban board to track threats and apply resources on those threats based on value. And the value in this case was defined as risk to the organization and the threat a, um, a, a, uh, that a pres- would present itself. And um, by applying a, a deliberate focused approach, we were able to move down our backlog and ensure that risk or let's call it threat debt was removed. So what it taught me, well, it, it taught me that uh, human patterns are the same no matter where you go. When you, when you look at it from a perspective of system engineering, uh, it's having a vision or a goal, a shared mental model, and known stable human interfaces that share, share the same vocabulary and processes. And when you have all those things, you get high-performance teams. And in this case, uh, our teams had their game better together than our opponents, which is the same pattern that I see you can apply in business. And that, that's what I do with Afterburner. We apply those lean, nimble patterns so our uh, folks that we work with can outperform their opponents. 
So, Tom, you're saying the U.S. military was using agile practices to actually direct resources on the combat field. I've always heard that generals are always fighting the last war and have a very, very old school, almost waterfall approach. What was it like transforming from a very old kind of central planning organization to, to this more nimble organization you're describing? Well, you know, I look at what uh, the McChrystal Group did with Team of Teams and the uh, the whole uh, iterative uh, feedback that was applied in um, in Afghanistan. It it was the um, the surge was really swarming or agile swarming. And when you actually are talking about the um, uh, military methods, I would counter to you that uh, we think of military as command and control, but it, it's uh, anything but. You know, when you look at classical Prussian uh, maneuver warfare, what it really is is lean. It's reduction of waste and application of resources. And when you move down the, the organizational level uh, into those maneuver uh, elements, they use something called um, the military uh, warfighting methodologies, which is very much an agile uh, form of planning and uh, execution. And when you get right down into the dirt, uh, that's uh, UDA, observe, orient, decide, act. John Boyd's uh, energy maneuverability theory that we use in combat aviation. So when you look at the whole hierarchy or the stack all the way up to national security strategy and policy, it is an iterative feedback loop that uh, many people just think is a command and control, but it's command and control for planning, but it's decentralized execution. So it sounds like there is a lot of inspect and adapt going on in, in your process. Oh, absolutely. So in essence, Tom, it sounds like the military went through a bit of an agile transformation. How do those lessons translate over when you went into the private sector? Well, the way it translates is business is combat, and uh, it uses the same patterns uh, for success, but the, uh, the tools and techniques are just different. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, in Afterburner, we use the flawless execution cycle. It's plan, brief, execute, debrief. It is the lightest, leanest, nimblest uh, framework of the agile, um, of all the agile methodologies. It has two roles, three events, and two artifacts. Uh, it's been incredibly effective in our experience aligning businesses and external teams uh, to technology in the Scrum framework. It, it provides your strategy and your high-level visioning and epics that then allow teams to self-organize around. Very much like the centralized command and decentralized execution uh, that you see on the combat field. Can you highlight, without getting into too many details, maybe some of how you've applied this at, with some of your clients? Oh, absolutely. From a perspective of looking at the transformation from continuous integration to continuous delivery and then continuous deployment with software as a service, many of the regulatory oversight compliance from a perspective of legal security and architecture had to be automated. And in order to do that, very disparate organizations internally and externally that had their own uh, agendas, their own egos, had to come together in a manner that had guardrails to the communications, common vocabulary, and an ability 
to hold focus. And what we found is that simple inspected and adapt cycles with guardrails allow people to have a meaningful discussion and dialogue with outcome without going down rabbit holes or anchoring on their own agendas. And that's been incredibly uh, powerful in being able to align organizations at the top level, very much like Toyota did uh, after the uh, 2009-2010 uh, quality. They went back to their roots, their short inspect and adapt cycles, looking at vision and alignment. That's what this light methodology applies. That sounds great, Tom. And um, with Afterburner, what are some of the exciting trends and projects you're working on that you're seeing that transcend the things you've just been talking about? Well, the project personally that I've been uh, working on is the Military Transition Seminar and the Troops to Scrum program with Scrum Alliance. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed is that when you look at the Scrum values, focus, courage, openness, commitment, respect, they align beautifully with the core values of the military, loyalty, duty, respect selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. They're the same thing. And when you look at young officers coming out of the military right now, they're quarter of a million to 300,000 a year. They are perfect small unit scrum master leaders. And those skills are things that are lacking within the uh, millennial uh, generation. And that leadership can be applied beautifully to uh, help create the foundations within an organization that is embracing Scrum. That's really great. And um, I'm actually on the board of the Scrum Alliance. So I've been working on this project with you. And how do you feel that adding those type of people into our community. You've been to a lot of the scrum gatherings and you're, you're deeply involved in the scrum community. How do you think an influx of well-trained, highly disciplined former military personnel with, with the Scrum for the Troops program will affect the community? I believe that it's an illustrative example of success. We inspect and adapt. And when we see something working, uh, we pattern it. We look at it and go, wow, that's working. What is it? Uh, what I have seen, and I'm going to give you an aviation metaphor. As a pilot, I could get into a large multi-crew uh, aircraft and fly from our country to another country and do all the coordination of diplomatic clearances, air routes, planning, fuel, all, the, all those items with a crew that has never worked together. But we all knew our role and we had known stable human interfaces. We had common vocabulary, we had processes, we had checklists. So we knew within the flow of what we were doing and the words that were used a situational awareness and a common shared mental model that allowed us to be high performing. We didn't have to necessarily sit down and go through the storming, norming, uh, uh, performing uh, flow of the Tuckman model. We came in at a full functioning uh, role because there was a degree of standardization in the pattern that we interact with one another. I believe that that type of I hate to use the word regimentation or discipline, but that type of patterning or patterning where you're able to create a 
individual, a developer, standards. It's our working agreements that are common. You create teams that can come together and mesh far quicker. And I believe that is truly the value that we can bring with that type of expertise. Absolutely, Tom. I totally agree. Being a veteran myself, I, I totally can relate to what you're saying. And I think there's a common misconception with you know how military units are structured. They're actually very cross-functional and so forth, as you could probably attest to. Absolutely. You have to have redundancy in everyone on the team. The, the term generalizing specialist, uh, you have to understand all the systems, all the support, all the radios, all whatever you're using. Uh, within a, uh, a a crew, uh, you have redundancy in every position. And and my brother-in-law was a West Point grad, and I watched how the military created leadership, and it also created a, a very spot-on discipline. And I can see how that would translate really well over to a scrum team. Absolutely. One of the things that I have always seen is that, especially in the group of leaders uh, in the military, they're able to keep their focus on the mission, the flag on the hill. This is commander's intent. This is where we're going. But guess what? They can figure out how they're going to get there however they want and ask for resources when they need them and say, oh, I have an impediment. This is what I need. And that is the beauty of that self-adaptive nature of the military. And it really aligns beautifully with self-organization. So it's those skill sets that come from the military leadership and the ability to take responsibility and move forward that I think have great value. When I compare and contrast the military hierarchy in the corporate America or compared to corporate America, in the corporate America, if someone is removed from the team, the superior is responsible for the role. In the military, if someone is removed for the, from the team, the junior steps forward and takes that a position. It's a completely uh, switched way of thinking. You are encouraged to be ready to step forward and take on the responsibility of those above you. And it's that uh, uh, imperative that people are always getting better and preparing for that next step. And it's built into the culture. It sounds like the uh, military is more agile than a lot of uh, projects and teams I've worked with in the past. Absolutely. I oftentimes joke around that uh, half kiddingly, it's like the military wouldn't say, well, we can't afford to have an, a medic on every team. We don't have wounded all the time. Everybody in the unit is required to know a little bit about you know, medical attention and so forth and rendering aid. Yeah, exactly. You're not looking to have a surgeon on your team. You're looking to be able to stop bleeding and get someone to the rear, rear line so they can be worked on. So it is in context of the, the level of specialization that you need. But you can even look at that from a perspective of architecture security. When you need a specialist, guess what? You go and get them. But in the meantime, you can take care of those things that are in front of you. I don't have a military training. I actually have an economics training. And my favorite economist is a guy named Tim Hartford. He's a British economist focusing mostly on behavioral economics and macroeconomics. And he wrote a book called Adapt, which was about him embedding himself with the U.S. military in Iraq and watching the military adapt to the changing environment and the changing situation. So it speaks, it speaks very strongly to what you're saying there, Tom. 
No, I've seen it firsthand, and it's uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, coming into the discussion uh, with many people of, oh well, military is command and control. Well, you know, there is a great deal of bureaucracy in the manner in which the military-industrial complex operates. However, when you actually get into the execution, uh, down into the operational units, it is purely agile. And one of the things I would add on is that when you actually look at the United States military, only 10% of the entire military are on the pointy edge of the spear. The rest are in support. And I would say in many ways, if you look at corporate America, well, there are very few that are actually on the pointy end of the spear. When the team is the one that actually creates the product increments that derive value, uh, I see the same uh, with the United States military. Okay, Tom, hacking and cybersecurity has been in the news. Everything from the San Bernardino iPhone case to the Sony hack to the recent hack on the Panama law firm that exposed all the world leaders' tax schemes. How is the military's um, recent adoption of Agile and the new Defense Secretary's initiative in Silicon Valley helping the military combat cyberterrorism? You know, that is a, a very complex uh, question, but I will attempt to uh, uh, explain m my take on net-centric warfare and uh, the, the uh, manner in which agility is being uh, applied. Uh, from a perspective of the, the various uh, threat vectors that are coming at our country, it's no longer just uh, uh, constrained to... Uh, military. It is economic warfare. It is information warfare. It's called soft war. And the murkiness that that uh, asymmetric threat has uh, evolved into, whether it's going to be a denial of service, whether it's going to be information, whether it's going to be an attack on uh, corporate uh, infrastructure, uh, has a need for your inspect and adapt cycles and monitoring and the ability to rapidly apply resources and fill holes. Uh, the commitment that you see within the Defense Department, uh, the secure or compartmentalized information facilities that are being created throughout the country that actually work uh, in alignment with corporate America to protect them, to provide services to them, is a level of, uh, of combined work that has never been seen before. The, uh, the battlefield now is, is very um, ill-defined and creating the visibility uh, to where threats and weaknesses uh, or and how we are exposed is I see the you know the core uh, tenant of transparency in order to understand a problem you have to be able to see it but in order to do that you have to create the relationships to have that face-to-face -face communication to understand what's there and then to be able to put that into a backlog to prioritize it and apply your resources and that might be very general, but from a macro scale of our country, that's where I see it. It is being able to have a grand situational awareness, prioritize those threats, apply our resources, and then share that uh, throughout the community. That's a, that's a great analysis, Tom. I, I really appreciate that perspective. 
Uh, switching gears just a little bit, uh, talk to us a little bit about some of your personal endeavors. I know that you're working on your um, certified Scrum Trainer certification as well. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm the hunt to be a, a CST, and my purpose uh, is to give back to veterans. Uh, my experience uh, in uh, Iraq and uh, in the military was many of the kids that I brought back from Iraq I really couldn't do much for. I mean, I, I couldn't get uh, a couple of them a job driving uh, forklifts at a, a trucking company. They were, they were really messed up. And uh, it is a commitment uh, to myself to give back to, to those uh, that I served with. And I see the opportunity within Agile and Scrum, a perfect place where I can help other veterans uh, land and expand within a career that they can apply their intrinsic value as small leaders. And so many of the veterans that I work with through LinkedIn and through personal introductions are coming into the civilian workforce saying, well, I want to be a project manager. And uh, when I talk to them, it's the do you realize that a project manager is a bean counter? That's going to be someone in the rear. Uh, what you are is an agile leader. That's someone in the front. So capitalize on that and go forward. And my hope in being a, a, a CST and a mentor is that I can uh, uh, equip and embed those folks in corporate America because it would have been great for me if I had had someone uh, a decade ago to be able to sit down and have a meaningful dialogue around what is available and what I need to do to get there. My goal is to be a CST and also be a, a certified scrum team co uh, level coach. I want to be a team coach. That's where my passion is, at the team level, not at the enterprise level. And I see that having your working agreements and using the appropriate checklist can apply a degree of crispness, especially with distributed teams. And that's one of the things in the military that is very effective is that your distributed teams work incredibly well because you have structured communication flow and patterns and vocabulary that uh, ensure that the communication that's lost with face-to-face nonverbal communication is you know, effectively uh, constrained uh, at, you know, as much as possible given the, uh, the medium of communication. So as a certified enterprise coach and a certified scrum trainer, I know that the journey can be very daunting. Can you elaborate on some of the challenges that you've faced so far in your journey? I think from a macro perspective, it is looking at my own unique brand, what I bring when I create my own Jedi lightsaber. And what I have found my resonance point being is as a aviator, uh, I... Uh, imbibe what is crew resource management. It is a uh, it is a methodology that was created by NASA and the National Transportation Board to have effective communication, active listening, and respectfully question authority. It talks to the interpersonal communication deficiencies of teams. And when I have applied those methods to scrum teams, it provides greater situational awareness 
and unity among the team because it has those guardrails. People know how to function with one another. They are working agreements, but they are tried and true. And when applied consistently, they create a more effective, highly functional team. Uh, it's what I'm going to be presenting on at uh, Agile Alliance in or, or excuse me, Scrum Alliance in Orlando uh, this uh, April. I've been working on a scientific uh, research uh, program uh, for with uh, Dan Greening uh, to be able to bring rigor and discipline of the scientific method to Scrum Alliance uh, you know, for, for research. Uh, the troops to Scrum and also building out uh, the Portuguese uh, uh, Scrum community. So, uh, and this one now is the the virtual. Say, okay, well, how do you really reach and increase the brand awareness? Well. It's going to be virtual. So those are the, um, I guess, the six things that I've been working on to try to say, hey, this is Tom's unique value proposition to the the Scrum uh, community, and uh, hopefully at a, a point in the future, you know, I can sit at the table too. So Tom, the show here is called Agile Next, focusing on where Agile is going next, with a look at the past and the life experiences and the professional experiences you've had. Where do you think Agile is going next? I see there are several components. One, we've already touched upon, which is leadership. Uh, two, uh, the crew resource management uh, that's used within aviation, healthcare, operating rooms, mining, oil and gas, I believe has great value. And that's an area that I'm working on. But from a macro perspective, what I see is that things are shifting to business agility. And that's, that's going to be uh, the third wave of the Internet. You know, when you look at the progression of uh, hardware and, and technology, the first wave of the Internet was uh, uh, switches and hardware and people creating their own computers and, and kind of getting online. The second was creating, well, your, your identity online, who you are, Facebook, Twitter, uh, banking accounts. Well, the third wave is your business services. It's being able to empower people with all those myriad of connections, but also having the cloud architecture and business services, software as a services, platform as a services, infrastructure as a service. You know, these uh, fintech companies are a great example, looking at being able to embrace various services that you don't have to create yourself open source and be able to rapidly bring an idea together, uh, validate it through a minimum viable product and be able to scale it rapidly. The ability to do that Business agility is what I see the future for Agile and empowering those light, lean, nimble organizations uh, in the construct of what I saw in the military because it is that competitive nature and that lightning speed that will uh, propel those organizations that have an idea and grab those services, bring them together, and rapidly innovate. So, Tom, uh, what does the future hold for Tom Friend in the next few months? Well, I have a few more co-teachers uh, trying to uh, get the recommendations that I need for my CST package due in June. I'll be down in the Scrum Alliance uh, Orlando gathering uh, presenting there. I'm also headed over to the uh, the India uh, global or regional gathering uh, in, uh, let's see, that would be in June. Uh, so that will be in uh, 
Bengaluru, uh, going to be speaking there and also holding a uh, CST um, uh, conference uh, with Peter Stevens uh, for those uh, aspiring uh, CSTs in, in India. One of the things I'm also going to be doing is a, a troops to scrum webinar. Actually, I can send you the deck. You know, I'm, I'm all about uh, sharing uh, content, but making the making the business case that you know, average scrum master makes ninety one thousand dollars a year. That's more than a junior officer makes. And here's an opportunity for people to step up and get into a career that they can take themselves anywhere. And uh, put together a webinar for that. Uh, the Inst International Institute for Learning has said that I can use their uh, webinar bridge. Actually, I ha have a dry run this afternoon at 2. Uh, amazing opportunity. I'm going to be doing the first virtual Agile conference. I've been uh, putting that together with IIL. Uh, we are expecting ten to fifteen thousand people uh, or delegates to be at that conference. Uh, last year, the uh, IPM Day had twenty-seven thousand five hundred. They did a free one a couple of years ago that had sixty-five thousand delegates. And my hope here, Manny's going to be uh, participating. Jeff Sutherland's going to be speaking, and some other you know, leaders in the agile space. One of the things I hope to do, uh, maybe you guys would want to do it, is that. Uh, to get the IIL platform, which can literally host tens of thousands of people and put together a Scrum Alliance conference where people actually submit abstracts and go through the whole review. And you have a global uh, Scrum Alliance conference for all those people that can't actually attend. Uh, these things because of time or money and say, okay, it's, uh, you know, 99 bucks for the conference. You get, you know, half a dozen on-demand uh, courses that you get PDUs for. You get all these speakers with these cool uh, uh, topics. And, you know, you can do the, like what we're doing in Orlando. We're doing a lot of the taping in Orlando with the speakers that are there. So we'll have, oh, I don't know, 20 speakers for the virtual conference uh, plus uh, some keynotes. And I think it would be really cool if Scrum Alliance would take that and, and do it, you know, run it like a real conference, not just by invitation only. Uh, in the fall, I'm, I'm a co-chair for the uh, Scrum Day Portugal event. Uh, this is going to be a great event this uh, year. We'll have it up in uh, Porto, the wine country of Portugal, and then uh, heading from there over to Munich for the uh, the regional gathering. So those are really my highlights this year and um, you know, doing uh, a bunch of classes and coaching in between. But uh, thanks for asking, and I hope to see you guys at uh, some of those gatherings. Tom, you most certainly will see us at uh, pretty much all of those gatherings except for one or two and um we're actually been delighted to have you here as a guest and i'd uh, like to thank you for coming on to the show well thanks for having me i really enjoyed it and uh, thanks for uh, uh listening to uh, my uh experiences in the military and uh, I, I hope that it helps folks out there understand a little bit more about what the uh, the service can bring to the uh, agile community it's a unique perspective and i think it's greatly appreciated thanks very much tom Thanks. All right. Talk to you gentlemen later. Next week on Agile Next, we have Vinod Kumar. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.